As I look through my life, I realize that the journey, the quest that God has given me is not mine alone, but it is impacted by the lives of others. And one of those, as I shared with previous episode, was Lee Jackson. Reverend Lee Jackson has been a major impact on my life, and in the times that I've sat and talked with Lee Jackson, and I've been privileged to hear him preach and minister and to counsel me, it's become quite evident to me that his pastor, Kenneth Reeves, was of great importance to the life of Lee Jackson. And so what follows here is a paper that I submitted during my time at Urshan Graduate School of Theology that touches on the life of Kenneth Reeves as it intersected with Northern American Pentecostalism. So to honor Kenneth Reeves is to honor my pastor, Lee Jackson. And I pray that the testimony of their lives brings further encouragement to others. I'm Philip Johnson, and you're on The Broken Journey. I apologize in advance for those of you who are not history buffs or who don't appreciate some of the technical language that may be employed here. I apologize in advance. Um, They made me do it at school. That's why I'll be speaking this way. But um, I want to share a little bit about Kenneth Reeves, and it's going to intersect some with Dr. Robin Johnson's biography of Howard Goss, and who was a Pentecostal pioneer. The modern Northern American Pentecostal movement touched the lives and hearts of many men and women, compelling them into ministry with an emphasis on divine involvement and supernatural experience. Kenneth Reeves led a life which typified the Pentecostal experience. As a young man answering a call to ministry, he traveled the country with many of the pioneering preachers and ministers. At one point, he even traveled with founding Pentecostal pioneer Howard Goss. Dr. Robin Johnston cites Duke historian Grant Wacker in his biography of Howard Goss as suggesting that the genius of the Pentecostal movement, the reason it has succeeded in spite of difficult odds, is the way in which it balances its primitive impulse with its pragmatic impulse. This Primitive impulse and pragmatic impulse, as I understood it, was this kind of combination of reaching back into the experiences that are pre-modern, that are connected specifically with the book of Acts and the New Testament, and even then into the Old Testament. This impulse to return to your roots of when the church began. And then the pragmatic impulse is looking at what is today's culture? What are the practices and habits and the, the ethos of our culture? And what are the pragmatic technologies and ways that we can convey the gospel, be the church? And this brief biological sketch of Kenneth Reeves that I'm going to give will follow a pattern similar to that of Dr. Robin Johnson's biography of Howard Goss. And what I want to do is demonstrate the balance between the pragmatic and primitive impulse cited by Grant Wacker. And it's possible I may be conflating some things a little bit, but this is my best effort. Kenneth Reeves was an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, 
and a writer whose influence was felt by many, particularly within the Oneness Pentecostal movement. Continuing with the theme of comparing Reeves to Johnson's account of Howard Goss, Kenneth Reeves also strikes a balance in Richard Cotner's groupings of Pentecostals as pietistic rationalizers and radical primitivists. Kenneth Reeves' self-published writings and teachings articulate key doctrines of Oneness Pentecostals, and this demonstrated his function within the pietistic rationalizer camp, while his accounts of operating in the supernatural gifts of the Spirit through healings, miracles, visions, and prophecies establish his life and ministry as a radical primitivist. The ministries and experiences of early Oneness Pentecostals were not limited to the initial accounts of the Pentecostal movement but they found a continuation in the life of Kenneth Reeves. Kenneth Reeves was born on July 26, 1921, to Joseph Edwin and Elsie Jane Reeves. He was born in a remote area of what is now called the Shawnee National Forest. Although Howard Goss was born almost 38 years earlier than Kenneth, their lives held many similar patterns. Both men were born on farms started by their grandparents. Both moved in their teen years to more industrialized areas, and both were active young men and gifted athletes. In Goss's biography, Robin Johnson notes his athleticism as both a boxer and a football player. In 1938, at the age of 16, Kenneth Rees was scheduled to try out for the St. Louis Browns baseball team. Kenneth's mother had become a Christian, when he was younger, but had stopped going to church. She made a proclamation to Kenneth after hearing his plans regarding baseball, telling him unexpectedly he might just get saved instead. While Kenneth's initial reaction to his mother's sudden proclamation was anger, this was not the first time Kenneth had a sudden experience of a spiritual nature. Only four years prior, as a 12-year-old boy, he experienced the first of many encounters to come with an angel. Kenneth's sister recounts this story from his childhood in his obituary. He said the angel was dressed as a man, but he was very tall, approximately nine feet tall. Being very frightened, Kenneth pulled the covers over his head. After a while, he peeked out and the angel was still there. The angel was holding out Western magazines. The angel was very disapproving of Kenneth reading these. Once again, Kenneth ducked under the covers. Then at last he had the courage to look out again and the angel was still there. But this time he was extending a Bible. This was his initial call of God on his life to explain the scriptures. Dr. Robin Johnson notes in his biography of Howard Goss, early Pentecostal histories, often written by participant observers, were consciously ahistorical. By downplaying its historical roots, it was possible to highlight supernatural causation. Long before Kenneth Rees received any teaching or heard any formal Pentecostal theological emphasis, he reported this supernatural experience. Kenneth Reeves would later find a resting place within the Oneness Pentecostal branch of classical Pentecostalism, as will be evidenced by a number of books he self-published. In his book, Early Interracial Oneness Pentecostalism, Talmadge French notes, the making of Oneness Pentecostalism, like that of the broader movement to which it is a prominent part, was largely dependent upon the motifs of restoration and revelation within its earliest development. The themes of restoration and revelation are central components in the Pentecostal narrative. Frank J. Ewart writes in The Phenomenon of Pentecost concerning the revival in Los Angeles, which was a central historical event for Pentecostals. It was not built on a system of new doctrine, but on an eminent scriptural experience. 
It was a revelation of understanding the doctrinal significance of New Testament narratives and a restoration of practices and experiences demonstrated in the New Testament, a continuation of what God was doing in the world. Kenneth Rees lived a life which epitomized Pentecostal experience and was immersed in supernatural activity reflected in the scriptures. Paul and Peter both reported experiences of visions, dreams, and angelic interventions. The New Testament writers record numerous miracles and healings in the daily outworkings of their lives of faith. Robin Johnson refers to Cotner's 2004 dissertation, Pentecost and Its Discontents, and his assessment of Pentecostals he groups as radical primitivists. Johnson quotes, This group emphasized the ubiquity of miracles and healing in the everyday life and freedom of the Holy Spirit to inspire and direct believers with fresh revelations and prophecies unmediated by the worldly governance of men. Reverend Lee Jackson, pastor of Wood River United Pentecostal Church for many years, spent years before attending the Granite City Church where Kenneth Reeves served as pastor. Lee Jackson served in a variety of capacities under Kenneth Reeves and traveled with him on many of his evangelistic trips. The following accounts of Kenneth Reeves' life and ministry are taken from an interview I did with Lee Jackson. These accounts would have placed Kenneth Reeves in the radical primitivist camp with the prevalence of the supernatural at work. Like many early Pentecostals after his conversion, Kenneth Reeves set out to proclaim the gospel wherever he could. Over the years, Kenneth Reeves preached in many places including New York, Maine, Alabama, South Dakota, Missouri, Illinois, Colorado, Texas, and anywhere God led. In Ellsworth, Massachusetts, after preaching and praying for, pe- for people, a lady who did not like what she'd been told came to meet him in the pastor's office. As she approached, he had a vision and told her he saw her walking from a cave with barrel staves dripping wet and then explained that she had removed all feeling from her body. Her response was that she had slipped back. Her mother was a witch, and as a child, she was taught how to remove all filling. She'd come into the church since then, but six months before meeting, before the meeting, her husband had died in a car wreck, and she had returned to those old habits to numb the pain. Kenneth Reeves came to Lee Jackson's father once and said that God had shown him a vision of a pocket watch and asked if that had any significance. Lee's father replied that it His dad was hard of hearing and had walked in front of a train. All that he had left of his father was a pocket watch. In New York, a lady had tried to commit suicide early in the day. Later that night, she came for prayer. Brother Reeves prayed a suicide demon away from her, then had her step to the side. When she stepped to the side, she began speaking in tongues and received the gift of the Holy Ghost. In South Dakota, Kenneth Reeves went to preach at a new church. In many services, he would minister there, and a prayer line would be formed. He would sit in a chair, and one by one, people would come to him, and he would pray for them. And then when finished, they would move on, and the next person in line would come forward. A lady from the choir came to the front of the line and then fell to the floor, writhing like a snake. Brother Reeves took charge and cast out a spirit of jealousy, and the woman stopped writhing. Her sister had recently been converted, and she was jealous of the attention that her sister was now receiving. And prior to their conversions, they had lived together by hitchhiking with truckers and engaging in prostitution. On more than one occasion, Brother Reeves had visions of angels. While pastoring in Granite City, Illinois, a group came for prayer and he saw six or seven angels behind the group. On another preaching trip, Lee Jackson and Brother Reeves were in a hotel and Brother Jackson saw what appeared to be a seven-foot angel standing half-merged between the rooms 
In the morning, he asked his pastor about it, and Brother Reeves confirmed that what he saw was an angel. In a conversation with Brother Jackson, Brother Jackson shared that when he mentioned the angel to Brother Reeves, Brother Reeves responded by saying, I prayed that God would send an angel to be with us tonight. I didn't know that you would see him. In most of the meetings in which Brother Reeves ministered, he would sit in a chair and pray for people as they came through the prayer line. Oftentimes while praying, he would lose all energy from his body and at times appear to have passed out. He stated that while praying, he would feel virtue leaving his body as God would bring healing, deliverance, or meet some need in the life of the person with which he was praying. Often when this happened, Brother Jackson was traveling with him and would then pray in Jesus' name for Brother Reeves and he would shake a little and come out of it and be ready to pray for the next person. Brother Maurice Gordon called one night and asked Brother Reeves if he had a powder blue suit. Brother Gordon had a dream that he was to have a preacher come and it was connected to the powder blue suit. Brother Reeves remembered that he had one in his closet and then agreed to come to minister. During one service, Brother Reeves was so spent from praying he could not walk and had to be carried out to his car and back to his hotel room. Kenneth Reeves' life and ministry was one which clearly demonstrated a belief in the healing power of God. These beliefs are deeply connected to the restoration and revelation impulses of Pentecostalism. His beliefs and practice were not extra-biblical in nature, but he identified in Scripture the basis for these manifestations of God's involvement. In Kenneth Reeves' book, The Great Commission Reexamined, he first quotes Leviticus 17.11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. He continues the explanation on his understanding of healing in the atonement. This implies that on the cross, Jesus made an atonement for the soul. The stripes that were placed on his body before he was crucified is for the healing of the body. But when he shed his blood on the altar, it is here where the atonement was made. He also writes concerning healing. Divine healing is from Jesus now as before, except because of his stripes, a reservoir of healing was laid up for humankind in the future. In other words, there were certain truths laid down and applied by Jesus that continue through the book of of Acts, and still other truths spoken by Jesus that could not apply until the period that the Acts covers and thereafter. But all applicable truth in four Gospels were inaugurated then or later do carry forth into the church age. End quote. Robin Johnson notes, Donald Dayton has suggested that divine healing may be more characteristic of Pentecostalism than even Holy Spirit baptism. Kenneth Reeves' life was one characterized by the primitive impulses in Pentecostalism of divine healing and supernatural experiences. His emphasis in ministry on the use of the gifts of the Spirit and the workings of miracles and healings, visions, and dreams were only a part of what made Kenneth Reeves Pentecostal. In Johnson's biography of Howard Goss, he he reiterates the purpose of the biography. This biography attempts to apply Grant Wacker's thesis that the genius of the Pentecostal movement is the way in which it holds its primitive and pragmatic impulses in creative tension to the life of Howard Goss. Johnson demonstrated this by characterizing his early ministry as more influenced by the primitive impulses in Pentecostalism and his later life is more influenced by pragmatic impulses. This tension in the life of Goss is also found in the life of Kenneth Reeves. Now, part of this may be attributed to the direct influence of Goss upon the life of Kenneth Reeves. 
Kenneth Reeves counted Howard Goss as a personal mentor in his early ministry. Kenneth Reeves traveled with Howard Goss, ministering and preaching the Oneness Pentecostal message. As a 16-year-old in 1938, Kenneth would go on runs with his friend Robert Wolfe to stay in shape for baseball. While on these runs together, Kenneth would talk about baseball and Robert would talk about God. Kenneth became hungry for God and one night in his bedroom he knelt and repented. He thought if God would hear any prayer, it would be the one he taught his disciples. Upon praying the prayer, God lifted a load of sin from off his chest and he ran to tell his friend Robert. It would hear that Kenneth first heard the one as Pentecostal message of salvation. Robert had found God in Missouri while visiting his grandparents and explained to Kenneth his need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He demonstrated this using the book of Acts. And at the next church service, Kenneth was baptized. After being baptized in water and in the name of Jesus, Robert explained the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. Kenneth knelt there in church and soon both were speaking in tongues. It was approximately 40 days after receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost that Kenneth began having visions from God. Almost immediately, he began to seek ways to travel and proclaim the Word of God and continued doing so until he passed away on August 12, 2005. Like Goss, Kenneth found solace in the primitive impulses of Pentecostalism, but his passion and calling prompted him for more, and as such, he was able to find that tension between the primitive and pragmatic. He was always a minister and never practiced law, but he was able to study the law and earn several law degrees, including a Juris Doctorate. This education served him well and contributed to his pragmatic side. He wrote and self-published four works on the Godhead, as well as several books on angels, spirituality, salvation, and demonology. In David Reed's work, In His Name, he quotes Kenneth Reeves many times when relaying the doctrines of the one as Pentecostal position. The following that I'm going to share now is a survey of some of the books Kenneth Reeves has written, demonstrating the pragmatic impulse and tension with the primitive. In Kenneth Reeves' book, The Godhead, he provides answers to a series of questions concerning various aspects of the Godhead. He provides a thorough comparison and explanation on the differences between the Trinitarian position and the Oneness position. He also delves into the dual nature of Jesus as understood by the Oneness position. The training he received as a lawyer is evident in the manner in which he organizes and frames his arguments. In another book entitled The Supreme Godhead, Kenneth expands his coverage of the material in his previous book, The Godhead. He covers much of the same ground, but in more detail and with particular emphasis on the nature, image, and identity of Jesus as God. Of particular interest was his argument that the term person is inappropriately used in speaking of God. In the preface, he makes a few comments which demonstrate the restorational impulse of oneness Pentecostals, saying, I try not to identify myself with any of the names in church history who have attempted in one way or another to speak or write about the Godhead. Instead, I have avoided the opinions of those men who wrote after the death of the apostles. He continues his writings on the Godhead in his book God in Thirteen Dimensions and states at the outset, This book is exploratory in nature and not final. The book covers much of the same material, juxtaposing a oneness Pentecostal understanding of the Godhead with the Trinitarian understanding. The chief focus of this book, though, is in the use of Greek and Latin words, in particular the usages of prosopon and persona. 
He continues his writings on the Godhead in an article for the United Pentecostal Church with a foreword by its general superintendent, N.A. Urshan. In this article, he sets out to correct the misuse of the terminology surrounding the Jesus-only issue. The title of the article is The Real Truth About the So-Called Jesus-Only Issue. The Great Commission re-examined as a treatise on salvation and the various aspects pertaining to salvation from a oneness Pentecostal perspective. It examines Matthew 28 and 19 and how this commission pertains to and is understood by non-Trinitarian oneness believers. He also demonstrates the role and purpose of the blood and name of Jesus in the place of water in baptism. He concludes the book with a chapter on how to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Following this, he writes a detailed book on the Holy Ghost with tongues. The Lost Sons of God is a collection of sermons compiled into a book. His book, Justice with Mercy, a biblical approach to a human tragedy, is an investigation into establishing a judicial procedure for applying mercy in the same manner justice is applied. He notes that as a gathering of believers, we have procedures for determining justice when a brother or sister has sinned, but at the time of the writing, there was not a well-established procedure for restoration. His final two books are two parts of the same focus. The Angels, Demons, and People, Volume 1 and Volume 2, cover the biblical teachings on the nature of angels, demons, the doctrines of man, and spiritual warfare. They are in-depth investigation into spiritual life, living a life which is in overcoming life. The parallels between the lives of Howard Goss and Kenneth Reeves were many. Their early childhood self-expressions of being heathens and the focus on athletics they held in common. Their conversions were both influenced by dramatic experiences with God, and both men were influenced by the primitive impulses of Pentecostalism, and both men demonstrated an apt ability to be pragmatic and studious. Although separated by nearly 40 years in age, they shared a unique connection which could only be described as Pentecostal. Undoubtedly, the time spent with Howard Gross in Kenneth Reeves' early years had a profound influence on the direction of his life and the development of his theology. Time has only one direction, forward. As consistent as time, though, is the presence of God in every epoch, continually moving on men and women, revealing His presence and restoring His people. I, for one, am thankful for the lives of Kenneth Reeves and Lee Jackson and their influence on each other and their influence on me. On my broken journey, I have been greatly blessed by their lives, and I pray that God would send men and women like these to have an influence on your life as well. In Jesus' name, I'm Philip Johnson, and you're on The Broken Journey.